given how these first three weeks have been going for you and processes that you've already been engaged in and things that are already kind of turning over and stirring up for you, how are you? And when I ask that question, I mean that legitimately. Please don't say that you're fine. How are you? Are you hopeful? Are you scared? Are you discouraged? Um, Are you stirred and motivated? Do you want to quit? It's important that you know how you are. Because as you understand how you are, as we're learning, then we can look toward and lean into God in that kind of authentic way, and He will meet us and bring grace and power. How are you? How do you need Him today? How will you experience Him over these next few moments? Well, recently uh, I did an annual exam, physical exam. Went to see my doctor. I tried to do that annual exam every three or four years. <laughs> I got a few brothers in the room. Okay. Uh, a few years ago when I did that annual exam... Uh, I had some test results come back that the doctor called me up and said, you know what, you have high blood pressure and you have high cholesterol and we probably are going to have to do some uh, medication for that, but let's go ahead and give diet and lifestyle a shot. And so I did that for several months, diet and lifestyle. And when I came back, my numbers were still pretty awful. And so uh, he began to tell me about my genetic predisposition, and I've got a whole family history of high blood pressure and high cholesterol and a whole bunch of other stuff I won't bore you with, and so he put me on some meds, and so I do this annual checkup again last week, and they look at my numbers, and you know what? They're all within that good range. I have been helped. Now, what I'm talking about here is a whole little process in the annual exam thing that is pertinent to what we're doing right now with respect to our experience of God. I go in and the doc gives me a little exam and I go through these little tests. That is a fact-finding kind of experience. And then he begins to give me the results of that and, and, and goes on to tell me that when you don't address your high blood pressure and your high cholesterol, you're going to make your heart work harder And you're going to shorten, more than likely, the years of your life or the quality of your life or you're going to set yourself up for a stroke and all. So that's kind of fact-facing. There's a whole fact-finding process, then there's a fact-facing aspect to that. And so he begins to explain to me, here's what it's going to have to look like for the rest of your life if you want to have health, reasonable health. And so then I had to understand the truth. This isn't just a blip on the screen. This is a rest of my life deal. Are you with me? Okay. So translate all that physical exam stuff into a spiritual exam, a relationship with God, the doing of life. And here's the reality, friends. You're predisposed to sin. The Bible says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all born with a sin nature. You have a disposition, predisposition toward busted, broken living. 
And like my health issues are around blood pressure and cholesterol, all of us have issues around resentments and fears. Resentments and fears. Resentments meaning experiences that I've had where I have either been hurt in some kind of way, threatened in some kind of way, or I did the hurting of someone else in some kind of way, and I continued to play that looping video in my mind. Maybe there's a trigger that makes it go again, or maybe I just have a still quiet moment and there it goes again. But that's the way resentments play out in us, and they feed into our insecurities, our uncertainties, our fears. We've all got high resentment, high fear. Now, I have high blood pressure and high cholesterol, but it doesn't really play its way out in me all the time because I take medication. And some of us seek to medicate our resentments and our fears. However, they don't really fix or cure anything. They just kind of suppress the symptoms so that you're not aware that it's still churning away inside of you. It's still shortening your life. It's cheating your uh, capacity to enjoy life and setting your, yourself up for strokes, if you will. So here's where we've been on the journey. I began to understand that there are busted, broken parts of my life, and so I admitted my need, week one. I came to believe there's a power beyond myself that could help me with that, and so I began to lean in the direction of Jesus to get help. Week three, I formally said, okay, I not only believe you can help, I want you to help, and so I began to turn my life over to Jesus and let go. And today, we're talking about, as we have given ourselves to Jesus, as the new owner of my life, now I've got to come clean about that. My life is in His hand, and He's going to begin to do some work in it that causes it to come clean. And I must join Him in that work, cooperate with Him in that work. Think about it like this. It's kind of like a business. Your business slash life has been under your ownership and management. And you began to understand that there were a lot of deficiencies in your business slash life. And so you came to believe that Jesus could run your life better than you could run it. And so you turned over. You signed papers and deeds and all this kind of stuff. You turned over your business to Jesus, and He's now the new owner. He's now the new CEO. And so He comes into the storefront of your business slash life. And there in the storefront of who you are, there are all kinds of display cases and shelves filled, absolutely filled with product slash stuff. Issues, resentments. There's so much product on the shelves and display cases, there's not even any room for the new owner to bring his goods 
into your store business life. So some of those shelves are going to have to be emptied a little bit so that he can bring the good stuff into your life. And so as you're walking around the showroom, the storefront, he says, okay, well, let's go back to the office. Let's check out the administrative area. And there are all these cases of files there. And he begins to peruse all of the files, all of the file cabinets, all of the file shelving, absolutely packed, filled with fears. Things that you recall that have happened to you and leave you unsettled and insecure, unsure. And he has a mind to empty a number of those files and shelves so that they can be replaced with things that build confidence and hope and trust. And you go, man, that's going to be a lot of work. And he goes, well, I'm not through yet. Let's go to the storeroom out back. And then you go out to the storeroom out back where you got all the other stuff. And it's packed, floor to ceiling. There's no other room for him to bring anything else in. And there you have a bunch of shame. You have a bunch of guilt. All these memories of things you've done to people, how you've hurt, how you've wounded, how uh, they have been impacted by you. And so Jesus says, well, we've got, we got a little work to do. But it's all doable. Here's what we're going to have to do now. We're going to have to take an inventory of all the stuff in the showroom, of all the stuff in all the files, and all the stuff that's in the storeroom. And when we know all the stuff that's here, resentments, fears, shame, guilt, then I'm going to begin to remove those things and replace them. But the removal and the replacement are in the coming weeks. We're not even talking about that today. Today we're talking about becoming aware of what is on all the shelves and in all the files of our lives. Fact-finding, fact-facing, understanding the truth. Jesus said, Sermon on the Mount, Happy are the pure in heart. See, you want to move down that road to a reasonably happy life. Then he said you're going to have to admit need. You're going to have to get help. You're going to have to let go. And you've got to come clean. And Jesus is the answer for all of that process. So, when we talk about how to come clean, I'm going to do that by talking about life. And we'll just use that as a brief acrostic to guide our conversation. The first thing I want to say to you is this. When we begin to do life with Jesus and come clean with His help, we're going to have to look. You can't do inventory. You can't get into all the stuff that's a part of who you are without looking and so this week, we're going to invite you to begin to engage a process where you will carefully, thoroughly, with God's help, look. We're told in Psalm 139, Search me, O God. This is what the psalmist would pray. Search me. 
Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You go, I don't even know what I'm looking for. How how am I going to get at this? How will I understand what are the significant things in my life that I need to pay attention to? God. Ask Him. And so we're literally encouraging you to take a sheet of paper. Some of you have been doing this with a journal. Keep doing the journal. If you haven't been doing a journal, then a blank page or a page like what we inserted in your program today. And begin to just list significant experiences that have been a part of your life. Start with today and move back. Or start as back uh, as your earliest memory and come to the present. Jump all around. It doesn't matter. Just ask God. Lord, would you call to my mind things that are significant and I'll write them down. The second thing is that you want to do inventory with this. And so, again, with the, in, the uh, insert to your program that we gave you, that little handout, you have some helps that will uh, facilitate your doing inventory. Now, the Proverbs tell us in Proverbs twenty twenty seven, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his inmost parts. In other words, God has put spirit within you that will cast light like a lamp on these things within you. We're told in Lamentations 3.40, let us examine our ways and test them and, and thereby return to the Lord. This is a thoroughly biblical process that we're inviting you to do. With God as your guide and your help. And so, uh, I'd encourage you to make use of the five columns that we've suggested on that handout. And in one of those columns, you're going to be talking about um, who are the people that are involved. What's my resentment? What's my memory? And so for me, and I could give you dozens and dozens, okay? But let me just give one that I've talked about in here before. Uh, one of the, the things that goes there for me is my father. And a lot of the memories that I have around him that uh, are of some significance and hurt and pain to me is the fact that he abandoned our family when I was a small child. And I don't mean just divorced my mother and I didn't get to see him a whole lot, but I mean uh, failed to support us, uh, broke promises, uh, did and said hurtful things. I could go on and on, okay? So there was that whole kind of abandonment that was the cause of uh, some of the issues I began to have to grapple with. The effect of that was uh, I became very shy. I became very withdrawn. I became a very quiet person. Now, a lot of people would respond to all that in a very different way. This is how I responded to it. And so I became relationally challenged because of this experience in my life. I didn't want to trust people. I felt that all people basically set you up at some point to reject you, abandon you, and hurt you. And so the only thing that made sense to me as a child, as an adolescent, and later as an adult, was don't give your heart to anybody. Don't open up. Don't be uh, forthcoming. Always play the cards close to the chest and, you know, have some kind of relational game going on. Now, um, the damage that that brought about in me was a bunch of insecurity. 
a bunch of uncertainty about my personhood, about my worth. And so what was my part in all of that? Well, I engaged in a bunch of damaging behaviors such as overeating to medicate my pain, overworking so that I could accomplish and achieve and prove, demonstrate worth um, by getting into a perfectionistic way. This is my stuff. That doesn't have anything to do with my father. My father had an early childhood impact on all these things, but I later made choices about how I would deal with all that. And my choices are busted. Are you with me? My choices don't work for me. They work against me. And so this process was all about me understanding why have I made the choices that I have made. Because it's not just a simple matter of saying, I'm not going to choose that way again. Because I, I said that a hundred million times have I got a brother in the house. <laughs> I ain't doing that again. And then I do it again. Because I had not come to a point of healing that would free me from doing it again. Are you with me? Okay. So then that leads me further along into this process of doing life, and that is I'm not only going to look and do inventory about it, but I'm going to engage another person. I'm going to engage a friend. Now this could be a friend that is already of significance to you. This could be a share group leader. This could be an elder. This could be a pastor. This could be a counselor that you understand, you know, I, I'm probably going to need to do a little bit more work. Why don't I just engage a counselor about all this stuff right now and get into a way of beginning to disclose and share some of these things with that person. James tells us in 5.16, confess your sins to one another. Now, there's great, high, holy reasons that the Scriptures admonish us to do this telling out loud with God and another. Confess these things to one another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. We asked that question last week. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to get rid of the watch, as the video was saying earlier? Do you want to get liberated so that you can run? If you don't, this ain't going to happen. But if you do, then with God as your helper, you'll engage in this process. And you go, okay, uh, anything else I should be thinking about when I start approaching someone else to talk to them? Yeah, absolutely needs to be some person of the same gender. So guys with guys, women with women. It needs to be somebody that's trustworthy. Because friends, you tell the wrong person you got capital T trouble. You tell the right person, you got capital T transformation. Are they trustworthy? And then in the third place, are they spiritually mature? Do they have a solid relationship with God and understand the things of God? And when you begin to talk to them about real, authentic life stuff, it's not going to be jaw-dropping to them. You did what? I don't, I don't ever want to see somebody, you did what? When I'm sharing my stuff. I want them to like, oh, I get that. I, I get that. With whom might you share 
Maybe somebody's already come to your mind. Maybe somebody's coming to your mind right now. And you want to write down their initials or name or something to help you remember that later when you're out from under the trauma of my talk today. <laughs> and you go, okay, well, Scott, let's say I do this look, I do this inventory, I dig up and unearth all this, uh, I think Paul said, you know, a stinking box worth of stuff. And I get to a point where I can tell God about it. I get to a point where I can tell a friend about it. You know, how much, how far will I go with all that? And the E stands for everything. Everything. All of it. Because here's what I can promise you, friends. The thing you most want not to talk about is the thing you most need to talk about. There's an old saying that goes like this. You are as sick as your secrets. Bust the secrecy and you begin to get liberated from the sickness. And again, we're not talking about just with anybody. We're not talk There's a lot of unsafe people around us, okay? You can really, really get hurt with this whole deal if you're not talking to the right person. But if you're talking to the right person and you're talking to God about this, talking about some significant liberation, freedom that can come your way. Because you see what? What's true is when you sit down with somebody and you're eyeballing them and you're telling them your deepest, darkest stuff, and they still engage your eyes and communicate in affirmation, life-valuing, life-embracing ways to you. God uses that in a powerful, powerful way. The Lord gives strength to the weary, Isaiah 40 says. He increases power to the weak. You know, I just don't know if I can do this. Probably can't. But God can give you the power to do it. This is one of the most scary things I ever did. I mean, I can recall the memory of it, and I get kind of freaked out about it. I can't believe I, I did all that. Several years ago... Um, a group of us from Meadowbrook went up to Vancouver Island to Nanaimo. And uh, I was trying to remember who is still with the Meadowbrook family that made that trip. And Randy Monkley is the only one that made that trip that I think is still in the room with us today. But we went up there for the express purpose of walking out on a bridge and jumping off of it. it yeah. We did bring everybody back from that trip, okay? It just moved through the years. All right. So, yes, this was when bungee jumping just got started. And uh, Nanaimo actually was the first place on the North American continent that it was legal to go jump off bridges. And um, if you're not acquainted with such insanity, um, what you would do is you would stand out on this platform on the side of a bridge 140 feet above the Nanaimo River, and they would put these rubber bands or bungee cords around your feet, and then they would coach you and they would tell you, we're going to say together, three, two, one, bungee. And the minute we say bungee, you jump. And so, you know, I'm, I'm literally 
standing in line to pay a hundred bucks to do this. <laughs> I finally get up to the ticket thing. I pay a hundred bucks. I walk all the way up to this bridge, and I'm now standing in line with dozens of other people so we can all jump off a bridge. And I watch this thing happen, because you only do it one at a time. I watch this thing happen dozens of times before I actually get up to the point where I get to do it. And, you know, the more you watch it, the more confidence you, you build about the thing. You're like, oh, man, that's not too much. You know, and every single time, the bungee cord caught and brought the person up, and they're doing this kind of thing, and finally they're lowered down into a boat. Nobody ever, you know, like plunged into the water and drowned and died. Or so I was building up all this confidence about it because I saw other people taking this step. Are you with me? Okay. And so now it's my turn. And I climb over the rail, and I'm standing on this little platform, and this guy is like fastening. So now I'm wondering... I wonder how tired he is of fastening these things. <laughs> Brother, just stay with it one more time, you know. And so he, fa <laughs> he fastens my legs, and the guy over here is coaching me. He says, okay, we're going to go three, two, one, bungee, right? And I'm uh-huh, uh-huh. And, you know, the wind is whipping. And the water is like so much farther down there when you're on the platform than when you were standing right over here on the bridge. <laughs> And the next thing I know, it's three, two, one, bungee, and I dove. And I went all 140 feet down, and you don't know. It's the, it, it, the, the cord has caught all these times. Will it catch one more time? I mean, a lot of people have been on this cord. <laughs> and it caught me and brought me back up, and you're up and down. And finally, you get lowered down into this boat. I say all that to say this, friends. When I did this step, it was like bungee jumping. It was frightening to me. Three, two, one, inventory. <laughs> and I had seen other people do it. And I'd heard testimonies. But you just don't know if it really is going to work for you until you do it. By the way, it worked for me. And I have been eternally grateful since doing this kind of step. Because you see, I was literally the proverbial Wizard of Oz guy. In working out my stuff, I felt like if I was going to have any worth, I had to be an awesome person. It wasn't good enough just to be Scott. I had to be an awesome person. I had to be the best athlete, best student, best minister. You, you catch what I'm saying? And so when you, you put all that stuff on you, and it's unrealistic, it cannot be done. That is insane. Every time you know this situation calls for incredible patience, and I'm not patient. And you pretend to be patient, or you pretend to be compassionate, or you pretend to uh, want to help someone in whatever situation, or you pretend to be generous, or, you know, all this pretense. You know. Maybe everybody else doesn't catch on, but you know. And if anybody else begins to figure out, it's usually those people at home, because they've seen the great Oz at other times. 
And they play the role of Toto. They kind of have this way of coming alongside when you're out being awesome. And they pull that curtain back. Just me. <laughs> Not really big Oz. Just, just God. <laughs> and so you get angry. You get resentful. Why would you expose me? Why would you do these things? They're just being themselves. You can't control them. See, am I a great interviewer or what? Who knows? You can't tell by the way Paul was today. I could not control him. So he's just Paul and I'm just Scott. And life's a lot better. Life is a lot better. So let me wrap with this. With this, Will you turn your life over to Jesus? If you haven't done that, will you? Will you take the big faith gamble? Bet it all on Jesus. And will you, with Him as your owner, do an inventory? Examine then confess this stuff to God and to someone else. And then as you continue to be His man or His woman and, and do life His way, will you give evidence of that? Will you give a testimony to the world? I'm a Christ follower. I'm not ashamed of that. Will you follow Him in baptism? As a way of saying, you know what? The life that I have, I'm in Christ. I'm immersed in Him. It's a very, very important step for us. If you haven't done that, then I invite you to take that step. As we said earlier, we'll be doing baptism in this room in a very special service on March 1. This is a time for you to make some decisions between you and God. Let's pray. So, Father, your Spirit has been in this room communing and communicating with our hearts and our thoughts. You're inviting many of us in this room to take some very risky and hard steps. God, how I pray for my friends that Your grace and Your power would come upon them in a way that allows them to take these healing steps. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Listen, I, I am so confident in you and that you will do the courageous hard work this week of coming clean. We've scheduled to have the Lord's Supper next Sunday. I believe this is going to be a very significant week for you. And so as a way of celebrating the cleansing and healing work that Jesus is doing in us, next Sunday we'll be receiving the Lord's Supper. So with that in mind, do the life work with Jesus this week.